before we have the word this morning. Father, we just come before you. Father, just ask that you would just direct and guide as your word comes forth. That is what you would want us to hear. Lord, just make the words come out. No matter how I may speak, let those words be from you because that's that's what it's all about. This this is from you. It's not from me. That you're going to guide this. And we just thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I was... Uh, you don't know how how important that mess that verse is today, because what we're speaking about today is hope. That's what the message is today. We're going to talk about hope, and the, let's go ahead and give you the title. The title is uh, "Hope Thou in God." Hope Thou in God. Right, so we're not going to stand up today because we're not going to read all the scriptures and then come back and expound on it. We're just going to, as we go along, we're going to read. So if you'll turn to Psalm 42. Uh, we're going to kind of dwell into Psalm 42 and Psalm 43 together. Right, but, but, but actually, before we start that, I don't get ahead of myself here. Uh, you should have a little thing right below where it says Psalm 42, and it has some. Some of you may have little headings. I think mine says "Thirsting for God," for instance. But right under that, there's some little bitty writing, and it says to the chief musician, Maskil, for the sons of Korah. All right, so I'd already kind of been looking at some of the verses, and at some point I came back and I, I looked at that, and I may have heard it before. I, I may not. I, I couldn't remember because if you go through some of the other psalms, it, it mostly has something about you know to the chief musician a psalm of David, for instance. There's a lot of those. Well, this particular one starts, I guess there's sections of books and Psalms. And so this is a book two. And I got to looking at that. And I said, well, that's kind of interesting. I, I don't know if I've ever seen that. Uh, so I went back and I did a, little, did a little research about, first of all, that word, mask. I don't know if I pronounce it right, maskio. So from what I can find out, it just denotes that it denotes a song enforcing some lesson of wisdom. And it says in another another little meaning that came up was the most probable meaning was that it's a poem, a song which enforces intelligence, wisdom again. And it's also about giving instructions. So this is a song which, you know, the word is giving us instructions. That's what it's about. Okay, so then the, the next part of that was the sons of Karai. So I thought, well, I'm... I don't know who those people are, so I got to looking. So I had, I'll just have to read some of this because I couldn't, I can't memorize all this. So, uh, so went back. Let's go back. To, uh, turn to Numbers uh, sixteen. So in Numbers sixteen, well, before I start reading that. Uh, 
give you a little background here. We're going to get a little history lesson, I guess, in a sense, as part of this today. Uh, Levi had three sons. Okay, they were Gershon, Merai, and Koath. If I didn't pronounce those right, forgive me. So, uh, of those three sons, it says that the Gershonites, those, that part of his sons, uh, they were responsible for the care of the tabernacle and the tent. Okay? And that they also took care of the coverings, the curtain at the entrance of the tent of the meeting, the curtains in the courtyard, the curtain at the entrance of the courtyard. And anything had to do with the tabernacle, the altar, and those kind of things. Within the other group, the son Mary I, so the Mariites were appointed to take care of the frames of the tabernacle, its crossbars, posts, bases, all this equipment, and everything related to their use, as well as the posts of, of the surrounding courtyard, that maybe some other parts of the tent, some other ropes and stuff like that. Right, and then the last Koath, his group, the Koath Knights, were responsible for the care of the sanctuary. So they were responsible for the care of the ark, the table, the lampstand, the altars, the articles of the sanctuary that were used in ministering, the curtain and everything that's related to their use. So, and they were, in, it says that they were in the direct supervision of Eleazar, son of Aaron. Okay, so unlike the Gershonites and the Mariites, they were allowed to transport their items on carts. But the Koarthites, they, they had to carry it on their shoulders. So they couldn't actually touch those items, but otherwise they would die. So a lot of times the priests would uh, have a little special covering to make sure that uh, they would not touch it, for instance. Well, in verse six, uh, chapter 16 here, Korai... It's talking about Korai and his rebellion. So Korai was the grandson of Koath, or the great-grandson great-grandson of Levi. So it, he wound up kind of running around with a crowd of a couple of different people, specifically a couple namely Dathan and Abram. They were sons of Eliab. Okay? So they decided that they just, I guess there were times that people... Obviously, maybe not disagreed with the what was going on with the priesthood, so uh, they became rebellious, and uh, they decided to, you know, in a sense, have their rebellion. So let's start in verse one there. So it says, "Now Korai, the son of Izar, the son of Koath, the son of Levi, and also those two other ones, Dathan and Abram, the sons of Eliab." And on the son of Peleth, sons of Reuben, they took men, and they rose up before Moses with certain of the children of Israel, two hundred and fifty princes of the assembly. So they've got two hundred and fifty other people that that are kind of joined together in this rebellion. Okay, and they've gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron. And said unto them, Ye take too much upon you, seeing all the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Wherefore, then lift up yourselves above the congregation of the Lord. So, you know, they're questioning their authority. They're questioning what God's already got set in place. 
So when Moses heard it, he fell on his face, and he spake unto Korah and said unto him and all his company, saying, Even tomorrow, tomorrow the Lord will show unto his who is holy and will cause him to come near unto him. Even to him who hath chosen will he cause to come near unto him. Okay, so we're not going to go ahead through all the different verses here, but just give you a little, I want to give you the background about his rebellion and these two other people that, uh, the uh, other couple, the, the Dathan and Abram, and also those 250 other individuals that they'd gotten kind of on their side. So we will skip on down. Uh, Let's go skip down to verse 19. It says, And Korai had gathered all the congregation against them unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and the glory of the Lord appeared unto all the congregation. And the Lord spoke, spoke unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, Separate yourselves from among this congregation, being Korai and all these other individuals, that I may consume them in a moment. And so... Moses and Aaron fell on their faces and said, O God, the God of the spirits of all flesh, shall one man sin, and wilt thou wroth with all the congregation? And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the congregation, get you up from away from about the tabernacle of Korai, Dathan, and Abram. So well, Moses did what he said. He said, He rose up and he went unto uh, Dathan, Abram, and the elders of Israel. Okay, and this uh, skip to verse thirty. Well, let's go twenty nine. So, if these men die a common death of all men, if they be visited after the visitation of all men, then the Lord hath not sent me. So that's what Moses is saying. If if the Lord didn't send me, then then you're going to know. So in verse 30, but if the Lord made a new thing in the earth, open her mouth and swallow them up with all the Apperton unto them, and they go down quick into the pit. Then you shall understand that these men have provoked the Lord. So then, verse 32, And the earth opened up her mouth and swallowed them up, and their houses and all the men that appeared unto Korai and all their gods. So, I was reading on that, and so I got to thinking, okay, well, this first little part says the sons of Korai. So uh, let's let's skip over to uh, Numbers twenty six, and we'll okay. What's going on here in chapter twenty six? That are kind of taking a little senses of. Of different groups of people, and uh, they've done. They've named. There's named off different groups of people that were named the family of different people. So let's go to verse nine. Okay. So here we're numbering in verse nine. It says, "In the sons of Eliab, Numal, and Dathan, and Abram." This is that Dathan and Abram which were famous in the congregation who strove against Moses. 
and against Aaron and the company of Korai when they, when they strove against the Lord. And the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up together with Korai when that company died. What time the fire devoured 250 men and they became a sign. But look at verse 11. Notwithstanding, the children of Korai died not. So then that makes sense. So, you know, I was thinking that they had died when, when the earth opened up, but that tells you there they were spared. So uh, let's go back now to, to Psalm 42. So that little background might be a little bit of a side note, but I, I just thought it was interesting that those little things it says that the some this is not only this psalm but there's three or four there's four or five I guess whatever right after this that it says that it was for the sons of Cry. All right, so chapter forty two verse one we sang that song this morning. Obviously, I knew I was going to uh, be sharing this, so obviously that was one of the first songs that I thought about. Uh, that as the as the heart or deer panteth after the water book, so panteth my soul after thee. So I don't know a whole lot about deer. I mean, I see them running around, and uh, you know, I'm I never hunted one. Not I just never. My dad never did take me hunting, so this wasn't something that I was a. I probably would, would have liked to, but. So I don't know a whole lot about how deers act other than I know you see a lot of pictures and you, you know that if they need water and they, uh, but we you know there's not only us, but other animals, they're, they're always looking for water. Uh, one thing I looked up, and I don't know if this is really true, so you, you can always believe what you see on Google, but... It's, it said something about that a deer only pants when it's chased by a predator. It says as soon as the deer escapes and knows it's safe, it, it will meet and look for water to replenish itself. So if the deer runs too long and it can't get close to the water, it's, it's liable to, to exhaust itself enough to where it could actually die because it's just, it needs that water. So one of the things I... Uh, think in this verse is that word paneth also means a crying out so another thing that happened uh, yesterday we were eating supper on the back deck and there was a little bee fawn that was out in the field next to us and it was crying looking for its mom so it was running up it couldn't I, I didn't I was telling the boys I said I don't think it can jump that fence so I don't know what it's going to do so it, it ran up there for a while, and it run. It just kind of ran back and forth, back and forth. But uh, you could hear it crying. It was a weak one because it, I guess it was so so little. But it made me think about. In this case, it wasn't crying out for water, but it was still crying out. So in this case, the water brook is a source. It's a source of strength that we need to replenish ourselves in. So when we get at certain points in our lives, we may even actually cry out, looking for that thirst to be, you know, quenched and satisfied. Okay, and let's go, then he goes on to verse 2. He says, 
my soul it thirsts for God, for the living God. That's that's key. The living God. When shall I come and appear before God? So, you know, there's times in our lives that we, I I think we have times that we might have a little bit of dryness that comes in. Some may have more times of that than others. But basically he's saying in here in this verse, Lord or God, I, I want to feel your presence. Because he says, you know, when shall I come and appear before God? I, I, he's wanting to get in his presence. Verse 2, my tears have been my meat day and night. While they continually saying to me, where is thy God? You know, in it, um, times that the devil wants to speak in your ear and says, you know, where is your God? He wants to bring you doubt. Defeat, discouragement. So, one thing that the scriptures are good for is because we can use that word to, to talk back to the devil. And we can use scriptures like, you know, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, uh, or against, but, but against principalities and powers. We can get that and quote that back to the, to the devil. You know, and the devil's going to use whatever he can against us. But our main focus is that knowing that God is in control. So no matter what the devil may enter into our ears and little, try to tell us what, what we, you know, try to discourage us. It might not hurt just to tell him, shout out if you have to. But God is in control. You know, we have to, from that, we have to learn. And, you know, many of us have been in, in this walk of, of, or being a Christian for a long time, that we know that, we know there are wiles of the devil. We know that uh, there's things the devil wants to come and, and do us harm or get us discouraged. But we still are not perfect. And we still have our, our, our opportunities. We have our failings. We don't want to. But sometimes it still happens. So we still have to get our armor. It says in Ephesians, you know, put on the whole armor of God. So sometimes we forget about that armor. We, we want to use something, some other means to try to convince the devil that, you know, you're not going to bother me. You may just do something else. But sometimes, you know, it's a struggle. It's a fight. Uh, because we have to be willing, no matter what the devil brings upon us, we have to be able to stand. So we have to put on that whole armor of God that it talks about in Ephesians. All right, and then let's go to verse 4. He says, When I remember these things... I pour out my soul in me, for I had gone with the multitude. I went with them in the house of God with a voice of joy and praise with the multitude that kept holy day. You know, sometimes it's, uh, it's maybe not necessarily hard to remember, but 
maybe we, we get kind of distracted and we don't remember what God has done. And we, we again, maybe the devil is just impre- uh, bringing oppression upon us in whatever way he does. But I, I believe here I was looking at in, or thinking about this, this remembrance. Uh, I think about how it used to be in some of you youngers we you've heard this before when we were at the the church on clay street it was a remarkable thing it was the praise was just you know people were dancing they're jumping and down up and down running sometimes we ran around the aisle uh and there's no reason it can't still be that way but we sometimes we get ourselves and we find ourselves in a dry place. It, it seems difficult to get out of that maybe at times. But I would just encourage you, even if you weren't young enough, you didn't experience that, that the latter part of the verse talks about the voice of joy and praise. That, you know, part of our... Uh, praise and our joy comes from singing and the songs and, and the communion that we can have with God just in, uh, in singing. Sometimes we might just listen to a song and that gives us that encouragement that we need. All right, verse 5. Well, why art thou cast down, O, soul, o my soul? And why art, why art thou disquieted in me? And here's our, here's our message title. Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Amen. So maybe at times we might need to stop for a minute and say, why? Here, he's, 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 he's talking to him, kind of speaking it out. Why art thou cast down? Why am I discouraged? So maybe we need to stop for just a minute why am I discouraged instead of just dwelling on what's going on stop Lord why am I discouraged and he's told us right here hope thou in God again for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance so again there's praise we can look forward to that looking to praise that he can bring and help us get that joy and overcome what the devil's trying to do. All right, verse 6. Oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore will I remember thee from the land of the Jordan and of the Hermonites from the hill Mizer. So again, he's talking about being cast down. My soul is cast down. But... He goes on to say, yet, therefore, will I remember thee. So, again, we have to remind ourselves of God's goodness. The different things that he provides. Just his love toward us. He's he's done so much for for us in our lives. We have to remind ourselves and not get those, let those circumstances... uh, kind of oppress us. All right, verse 7. Deep calleth and deep to deep at the noise of thy water spouts. All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. 
that makes me think of when you go to the ocean, there's depending on what area of the country you go, there's some of those waves. If you get out just you don't have to get out too very far, they can they could get over over you and overtake you. And you have to really watch out because there's some places that if you don't watch out and you get too far out, that tide can drag you back out. So we have to make sure that as we're walking, we have to watch those waves of the devil's work in getting us cast down. Okay, verse 8. Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime and in the night. His song shall be with me and my prayer unto the God of my life. So we know that his mercies are new every morning. So in it says in the daytime and in the night. Well, usually in the daytime, sometimes, not, not always, usually we're starting the day off a little bit more fresh in our minds. Uh, if you've got if you haven't got a good night's sleep, maybe it's not as as good, but but usually the daytime gives you a time to kind of start start over, I guess. Might be one way of saying it. But in the nighttime, by the time the night comes, you know, what, what does night represent? It, re- it kind of represents darkness. So you've had a whole day of whatever's going on, and uh, maybe you have just had a day that just didn't go well. Maybe you even have a thought of, well, you know, maybe when I'm talking about giving praise and getting strengthened through your praise, what about those times that maybe we don't even feel like singing? Uh, we we just, it's kind of a feeling, obviously, but we know that we don't walk by our feelings. We have to walk in faith. So that's where our faith has to rise up in those times when we might not have the joy of the Lord uh, but when we do you know God's going to stand in the gap and he will take care of us and get us I don't know I, I don't know about you but <clears throat> when I'm when I take uh, having prepared some of the songs for the meetings uh, I don't you know there's several different songs I'll kind of try to look at and just try to make sure that I think they'll work and then also try to be led you know of the Lord but uh, I can I can get into that just preparing the songs I, I get really encouraged because I'm thinking I, I gotta I gotta limit some of these songs I can't we can't pray well we could you know, we could praise for an hour we could praise for a long time but it, it just really, as I'm preparing and listening to that to those songs, I get encouraged. Uh, so I wouldn't, you know, for whatever it's worth, uh, just listening. I, I'm not saying we don't people don't listen to, to, to songs, but just it's just a. I think 
the Lord's just wanting to make sure that we take that opportunity, even if we're not feeling like singing or, or wanting to praise Him, that we'll, we'll, we'll go to Him and we'll enter into His presence. And also, I, uh, we were th- I was thinking about uh, the example of Paul and Silas when they were in prison. You know, it wasn't until, I think, midnight that they started to start singing. Why did they wait that late? It didn't say, I don't think. But, but that's not the important thing. The important thing is that as they begin to praise, then the earthquake came. And it opened up the prison doors. So, all right, let's go to verse 9. It says, I will say unto God, my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Again, we're talk, we, we, we feel the devil's oppression at times in our life. You know, he wants to, I'd use, I would say he wants to wreak havoc. Not only in our lives, but specifically in our, you know, through that yapping, he wants to get into our minds. So that we, we don't want to, you know, sometimes we just listen to it and we don't want to get away. And again, that's what I was talking about earlier. The, de- the devil wants to do that. We have to learn to, to, str- to strive and, and put our armor so that knowing that the, that the enemy is after us. You know, we have to really have, get control of, of what's going on in our minds. All right, verse 10. As with a sword in my bones, mine enemies reproach me, while they say daily unto me, where is thy God? Well, I don't know that I have that many people that come around and, and actually ask me, where's your God? But I sometimes wonder, I know there's probably been several situations in my life where I probably knew that's what they were thinking. They may not, not, you know, they probably were nice enough they didn't say it. But I knew that's what they were thinking. I thought, well, I have to trust in what God's doing. I know, you know, talking to myself, I can say, I know it's, Lord, you're just going to have to help not only minister to me, but show them your goodness, your mercy. Okay, verse 11. Why art thou cast down on my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Again, hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. So here we are again. We, we're we're giving that hope thou in God after we're, he's, he's kind of questioning, where's, you know, why is my soul just, you know, again, discouraged? But the Lord says, hope thou in God. And again, that next few verses, for I shall yet praise him. Okay, that's, that's, again, He's, he's, he hasn't done it just once. He's told us that different times about praise. All right, let's go into chapter 43. It says, Judge me, O God, and plead my cause against, my un- against an ungodly nation. O deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man. 
For thou art the God of my strength. Why dost thou cast me off? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? So again, he keeps on saying to me some of the same thing. Uh, of just being distraught. Uh, but, but verse 2, it says, For thou art the God of my strength. We have to draw strength from him But, but by doing that, we have to have that hope. And it's got to be a hope that's based in faith. We can hope all day long about something, if it's, but if faith is not part of it, I don't think you're going to get your answer. Let's go on to verse 3. It says, Oh, send out thy light. And thy truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me into thy holy hill and to thy tabernacles. So, what does the light, you know, the Bible says that, you know, light, the word brings light. It, you know, what does a flashlight do? Or some, a lot of us may use our. our Flashlights on our camera or on our, our phones. We're trying to see usually something in front of us, maybe something in the distance, but mostly a lot of times what's in front of us. So God's word, and it says, and thy truth there in verse 3, let them lead me. We know that. I think we know that. We know that the word brings life. And it is our strength. But it, he says, let them bring me into the holy hill and to thy tabernacles. And then in verse 4, then will I go into the altar of God and to God, my exceeding joy. Yea, into the harp will I praise thee, O God, my God. So again, going into the altar of God, we're wanting to get the pres- into his presence and we're wanting him that communion so that we can have the, the, the faith that we need. And through that faith, we can have the hope that we're talking about this, this morning. All right, let's go to verse 5. Why art thou cast down on my soul, and why art thou disquieting within me? Again, here we go. Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. All right, so I just kind of mentioned that, you know, to have hope, you have to have faith. You know, but really, like I said, if you don't really have any hope if you don't have faith. You know, God says to us, if you know, if you if you can trust me with the hope, that hope, then he he can take the hope. A lot of times we 
you know, we have what's called the, you know, the, we corrupt our minds with ideas or we corrupt our minds with different things. We might, we might be impatient, for instance. Uh, we might have doubt. We might have fear. But God says, you know, as he did with his son, he says, I can crucify those things. I can bury them in those weak, those corrupted ideas, whatever it is. And I can raise it up and I can bring it up to pure and biblical meaning. He can take that hope. He can, you know, like refine it. He can make sure that, you know, for us to change our thinking about what God's doing and what he's about to do uh, in whatever situations we come across. And the promises that he has given us, we have to know that God takes care of those and we're not, we're not to try to put those in our own hands. And, and you know, God's going to accomplish those things uh, however he decides and in whatever way he decides to, to do that. But we have to put that hope, that faith, and well, he's going to take care of it by his means and his will. And let's go ahead and turn to Psalm 23. That's, uh, we hear this verse so many times, but I, it's not going to hurt to hear it again. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He, he makes me to lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I don't know about you, but there's times in my life was I've had those mountaintop experiences but there's times where there's been valleys where like he's talking about here in verse 4 even though I walk in that valley I don't have to fear evil because he's with me you know our, our fellowship with God is not just uh You know, he makes those promises, but our fellowship is not just on the promises, it's on God, because he is the one that makes those promises. And I think there's times that, like I said, I have, I've had times where I were on the, maybe on the mountain, there's times I've been in the valley. But these, the words that we've heard this morning, 
there's, there's a whole book, there's a whole book of passages here that the Holy Spirit has given so that we can see, and maybe in this particular, back in uh, Psalm 42, we see that somebody struggled just, just like we do. And I think there's times that, you know, it's easier when we have somebody that's kind of, we can relate to. Not that there's times in the Bible, sometimes it may be hard reading, but and here in the chapters 42 and 43 of Psalm, uh, it just seems like uh, that's something, when we get discouraged, we can relate to that. But today it's, in, it's, it's to encourage you to hope. Hope thou in God. And by one way to hope and to get that communion with, with God is being led by the Spirit. Uh, we've talked about that quite a bit, I think, over the last couple of years. Well, you know, not, not just the last couple of years, but it seems to me that's been a focus that we've had over the last couple of years is being led by the Spirit. Uh, and part of what Caleb has been ministering on lately is about uh, different other ways of, of being led by the Spirit. But for us, if we get discouraged, if we're like what the psalmist is saying here, and we get discouraged and our soul is cast down, just remember those words. Hope thou in God. Let's pray. Father, we're just thankful for the hope that we can have in you, through you. Lord, we oftentimes may not go straight to praise to get encouraged, to get lifted up. Help us, Lord, to get our faith so that when we may be discouraged, that we can come not only to to be lifted up in praise, but through all this, Lord, we, we have that time of communion. We, we enter into your presence. And that, Lord, can lead to a presence of, of joy, of, of just happiness in you. We're just thankful for what you did on the cross that gave us the opportunity that we can take any of those ideas or corruptions that we may allow the devil to have or just any thoughts, Lord. We can bury that, Lord, and let it rise up and be resurrected into what you are doing, what you want to do, and what's to come to pass in the future. We just thank you for what you've done in this, this, these passages, and we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.